Good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, open to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. A high school graduate wrote a letter to his pastor. And within that letter, he asked a very important question. He wrote, quote, Dear Pastor, I just received my high school diploma and I'm college bound. While I'm excited about meeting new people and facing fresh challenges at the university, I have to admit that I am a bit anxious. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail and that I will miss out on all that God has planned for me. How can I be sure that I will be successful in life? That is an excellent question. A question that each of us have asked ourselves. What is the secret to success? I don't know anyone who wants to be a miserable failure in life. I've never met a young person who says, I want to grow up and be a bum. I've never met a young person who said, I just want to be mediocre. Instead, you have dreams that are lodged deep within your heart. You have never dreamed of failure. You never dream of depression. You dream of being successful, prosperous, and happy. But there is there a such thing as a secret to success? Isn't that like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster? We talk about it, but we, don't, we, we realize it doesn't really exist. Now, our former Secretary of State, Colin Powell, said this about success. He said, quote, There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure, end of quote. Now, to some degree, I agree with him. Because if you study successful people, you will consistently find that they have prepared themselves rigorously. They have demonstrated unmatched worth ethic. They have allowed failure to become their greatest teacher. See, to be at the top of your class or your organization, you must be willing to prepare and work hard and learn from your mistakes. However, I also would disagree with him on this. I do believe that God's Word shows us the path to success. It's not simple, but it's there. It's leading us to a treasure map of peace. There are some basic instructions, some secrets, although it's a little play on words, to living in God's will. They're not really secrets. It's that they're very hard to do. A lot of people don't want to listen. And if you want to live in God's will, you must read the instructions, the secrets, if you will. Because I don't care how much money you make or how many people you may manage, when you're walking in God's will, there is joy, peace, and hope. Now, this does not mean there won't be trials, tribulations, or troubles. It does not mean your salary will succeed six figures. What it does mean is this. When you trust the Lord, He will lead you well. Proverbs chapter 3. The pathway to success. And of course, the key verses being 5 and 6. So let's read the text together. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. For whom the Lord loves, He reproves, even as the Lord corrects, even as a father corrects the son in whom He delights. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge Him. Of course, the goal being He will make your path straight. You, we, want to have a destination. We want to reach the destination. Now, ultimately, our destination is heaven. But we want to stay on the path. We want our lives to go somewhere, to mean something. We desire to leave a God-sized mark on the world. In our passage this morning, we see that the Lord lays out some clear conditions that we must meet if we're going to be eligible to receive that promise, He will make your path straight. It's no difference when you go to a bank to get a loan to purchase a car or a house. There are some conditions you have to meet. There are certain requirements before you are approved. Likewise, God gives us clear instructions of what we must do to receive His direction to make our path straight. So what must... I do or you do to receive God's guidance. First, you must place God's word in your heart. And we see that in verses one through four. See, the will of God is revealed in the word. The will of God is revealed in the word of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, you have to read the book. I remember putting together some toys when my girls were real little. And just as a side note, nowadays they don't have many words. There's always pictures. Part A, part B, part C, C, part... You know what I'm talking about. You put these things together. And so I am putting it together. And I have to admit this. At some point, I'm saying, I'm tired. I'm confused. I can't figure this thing out. Then a voice comes in from another room. A voice of my wife. Know what she asked me? Did you read the directions? Directions? Who reads the directions? Who has time to read the directions? Nobody likes to read directions. So we skip that part. And we try to put this thing together. When you see her later on, we start to ask her about the lawnmower story. She likes telling that on me about directions. But you know, the same is true in our Christian life. So many people are wandering from place to place from relationship to relationship, from marriage to marriage, from job to job, they feel confused, disillusioned, and lost. But God says to them back in verse 1, My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching. Do you know what happens when you start stockpiling your heart with truth? You become more loving toward people, more faithful than little things. 
Love and faithfulness will adorn your neck like a necklace. Look what he says in verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. God's Word will fill you with love and faithfulness. And those two things will never lead you astray. Show me a person whose heart is brimming over with love for God, whose life is marked with faithfulness. Show me that person, and I will tell you, you found a person that is successful. Their heart is pure before God. Now, our society as a whole, we like to talk about purity, but we always let some impurity sneak in. What I mean by that, take the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, about what they do. They are charged with making sure that our food is pure, that we won't get sick or get poisoned. Look what I found out. For apple butter, if it averages four rodent hairs per 100 grams, which is about three and a half ounces or more, the FDA will pull it from the shelf. If there's less than four rodent hairs, that butter is good to go to the shelf and you buy it and put it on your egg or put it on your toast or your English muffin. That's just a happy thought, isn't it? How about coffee beans? I like coffee. Coffee beans will get drawn from the market if an average of 10% or more are insect infested. Less than 10%, the beans squeeze through. Check your beans for insects next time you reach out. Mushrooms. This is kind of, just bear with me. Mushrooms cannot be sold if there's an average of 20 or more maggots of any size per 15 grams or half an ounce. Well, that's least as encouraging. The reason I brought all that up is just to make the illustration that we let impurities go by. Even in an organization that is charged with protecting the American people from diseases and poison and dying, some impurity gets through. And that's true for our uh, spiritual lives as well. We do the same thing. We tolerate impurity. A little lust, a morsel of greed and envy, and a few ounces of slander. When those things start to take hold, and you wander away from God's heart, you're not putting it in God's Word, you're not putting it into your heart, you will start to stray away, and impurity in your life will go larger and larger. You'll start to engage in behavior that you have not tolerated just five years ago. We have to keep in the Word of God is the point. Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God judges your thoughts and your intentions of your heart. It will convict you and correct you. It will purify your heart. And when your heart is pure, you'll have love and faithfulness and they will never leave you astray. Bottom line, if you want God to direct your path and have success, you must learn and study His Word and allow it to shape your heart. The second thing we you must surrender control over your life. Verses 5 and 8. Now this won't come to surprise to many of you, but people who are know-it-alls, who are wise in their own eyes, never 
pray. Why is that? Or they pray very little. Why is that? Because obviously they know they have everything figured out. The Bible never puts that kind of pressure on us. It never tells us we have to have it all figured out. It never tells us we we should be able to solve all society's ills. It never tells us that we will never feel confused in our lives. Instead, it says, look in verse 5, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not become wise in your own eyes. Rather, trust in the Lord with all your heart. For you high school graduates, life does not get any easier. Some ways it gets harder. Peer pressure will not stop. In some way, it will go even higher than what you experienced in high school. I cannot repeat this enough. You need to trust God. You're not going to have it all figured out. And there'll be times when you're confused. Don't know which way to go. Turn to God. Let Him direct your path. Be obedient to Him. What does it mean to obey God? It must mean, it means that you have to yield yourself to Him. God is your commander-in-chief. He hands out the marching orders. He has all authority. and You have to surrender control over your life to Him and let Him have the authority in your life. God's picture of success for you might be different than what you have planned for. For example, God's picture of success for you might be raising godly children that will make a difference in the kingdom. That's not going to put you on the cover of a magazine or on TV. But that is what God has assigned for you to do. God's picture of success might mean taking a lower paying job and moving into a smaller house so you can do what really ignites your passion. People won't congratulate you for downsizing. However, God smiles upon His obedient servants. God's picture of success for you might mean staying in a marriage with an unspiritual or unfaithful spouse. He has called you to work in the prayer closet, to be a holy example. The world will never call you wise for being a faithful spouse. Warning. Listen to me well. When you begin to think that you know better than God, when you abandon the call, you have just become wise in your own eyes. It won't be long till you're running from God and you're living in absolute misery. You cannot run, you cannot run from God. God's everywhere. There's nowhere you can go. Psalm 139, if I ascend to the top of a mountain, I go in the depths of the sea. If I go east from west, where I go, Lord, I cannot escape your presence. We need to surrender to Him. And when you acknowledge Him in all your ways and every aspect of your life, when you don't turn and run, and recognize God's leadership in your life, He will see you through. And when you've walked that straight path, you'll have a faith that is pure as refined gold, and only that you'll have an inheritance waiting for you when it's all said and done. Many people today think success means wealth, extravagant vacations, shiny new cars, additional square footage, plaques on the wall, public fame and acclaim. And all these things do bring popularity. However, success and popularity are two different things. Just because something's popular doesn't mean it's successful 
or morally right for that reason. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat false prophets in the same way. The New Living Translation brings out just a little clearer. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praise false prophets. Beware when you start becoming popular. Nothing wrong with it. But be very aware that you don't become wise in your own eyes. And I hate to say this, but just look at Hollywood. People become popular. They start listening to what people tell them. But then those same people are quick to criticize them and kick them to the curb when they mess up. Because it's just a matter of time before they do something wrong. So be careful. Popularity does not mean that you're successful. You must surrender your money and your possessions, verses 9 and 10. God will never bless anybody who is stingy or tight-fisted with Him. If you want God to honor you, then you need to honor Him. Look what it says in verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth, the first of all your produce. In the Old Testament, they would take the firstborn of the flock and would offer it up as a sacrifice to the Lord. Same thing with the harvest. Their first fruits they would give as a sacrifice to the Lord. Why would they do that? To remind themselves that every good thing that you have comes from above. You've just finished 13, counting kindergarten, maybe 14 if you went to pre-K, years of education. Who do you think gave you that mind to begin with? Who do you think allowed you to comprehend everything as you went along? Yes, you have to do your job. Yes, you need to study. But it is God who gave you that. It is God who is the one allowing you to sit in the pew this morning, drawing that oxygen into your lungs. He has allowed it to rain this morning to refresh our earth. See, every good thing comes from God. I would not be here today in this pulpit preaching this message if we're not for God Himself. That's what it's all about. It's putting Him first. In the New Testament, Jesus affirms this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, if we seek God and His righteousness, everything that we need, He will provide. Not everything we want, but everything we need. In fact, He knows what you need before you even ask Him. But seek Him first. Give God first, and watch how He will be faithful to give back. We find this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Trust God with your money and watch what He will do. Now, do not give simply to receive. That's not worship. That's manipulation. And by the way, you can never, ever manipulate God. You give to Him because you love Him, you follow Him, and you're obedient to Him, and you're faithful to Him. When we love God and we are faithful to Him in every aspect of our lives, He is always faithful to us. In fact, I will go a step further. Regardless if Tim's faithful or not, God has always been faithful in my life. Always faithful. I have to remember 
is God who allows me to have the skill set I need to make money, to take care of my family. But I have to say this. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And when you give Him your heart, you'll give back to Him. And He always has taken care of me. As you can see, I haven't missed a meal. I'm serious. And how many people are starving around the world? He has been so faithful to me. And He knows when I, we give Him His heart, everything else will follow. And lastly, you must receive discipline as love. Verses 11 and 12. There are times in our lives when God will discipline us. Now, discipline to us always carries negative thoughts. We think about punishment. We think about maybe go to the principal's office or get in trouble with mom and dad being grounded. But discipline is much broader of a term. Self-control. Watching what we say and what we do. In Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 11 first tells us that all discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful. Amen to that. But sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We learn from it. Hopefully we learn from it. The reason why your grandparents, parents, uncle, whoever it is, is correcting you is because they care about you. They want you to get hurt. And the hardest thing as a father for me has been when to step back and watch them go into the, in the hole or step in. And, but some of the best, left, best life lessons are learned through failure and discipline. You see, God loves and disciplines His children. Now, it's going to sound oxymoron to you, but it's true. If you experience a chastisement or discipline of the Lord, He's treating you like His own child. Because He wants to correct you. He wants to spare you pain and hardship. And yes, it's hard at the time. But He has your best interest at heart. After all, He created you. You know, He knows what makes you tick. He created you that way. And so when I experience the discipline of God, it reminds me that I am a child of His. Verses 7 and 8 in the same chapter of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says, it's for the discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you're out disciplined, of which you all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You know, when I was growing up, if I got in trouble at school, I would tell the principal, whoever, you know, do what you mean what you want. Please don't call my dad. Because whatever you do to me won't even come close to what my father would do to me. Discipline. Dad wanted me to grow up to be a productive young man. To know the difference between right and wrong. You never thought I'd become a preacher, but here I am. And when people correct you, they have your best interest at heart. Shows you that they really care about you. God is no different. Accept it with love. He's not trying to be mean or hateful towards you, but He loves you. 
And I know when you look at the commandments and you honor God with all these things, and these things are hard for us to do, well, Tim, God doesn't want me to have fun. That's not the case. He knows that once you open one of those doors, it's a slippery slope that you go down. If I start straying from the Word of God, my ministry will suffer. My preaching will suffer. My witness will suffer. If I keep chasing those things, eventually I'm going to keep moving further and further away from God until I'm engaged in behavior that I thought I would never do. And one day you'll sit there and you'll wake up in the living room and go, how did I get here in all this mess? It started with that first little step away from God and His Word a year, two, three years ago. God hasn't moved. I'm the one who's moved. That's the reason He puts these parameters up to stop that from happening. Yes, you can be given all your sins, but there's still consequences that sometimes we have to pay. And sometimes those consequences will be very hard for us to burden. God doesn't want you to go there. That's the reason He sets that barrier up. Do you allow God to teach you? Or do you get angry every time that He corrects you? Do you get bitter when you look at other people and all the things that they have and you look at what you don't have? Or do you trust God that He will provide everything that you need in due time? Peace comes to those who are taught or trained by discipline. And when you find a person that lives in total peace, you will find a person who is successful. A lot of people are chasing, chasing peace right now. And they can't find it. The world promises it, but they can't deliver. Look at the commercials. Buy this. You'll be happy. You'll be successful. Buy this piece of clothing or buy this new computer, which, by the way, computers seem to be going out every week. So there's one more thing to buy, one more thing to do. Once you get there, there's another thing. And you never seem to find it. The only person that can offer you true, satisfying peace is God. Those people are the ones who are successful. Those are the ones who are happy in their lives. They've learned it. You ever ask yourself why some people who seem to have everything the world offers are the most miserable people on the planet? How many actors and actresses have committed suicide, turned to drug and alcohol abuse, because they turned to what the world said they needed, and when they got there, it didn't bring them the peace that they so desired. It dangled it before them, but it couldn't deliver. So if you want to be truly successful, you need the peace that passes all comprehension or understanding, and that comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to tell you this, that the greatest times of your growth in your spiritual life will always be in times of loss and loneliness. That's when we form our spiritual muscles. Because in the good times, let's be honest, we just tend to coast. How I'm doing? I'm doing great. Everything's fine. But when we come to those hard times, we have to build our spiritual muscles. And those spiritual muscles of faith will come when we allow God to have His way and we respond to His correction. Perhaps you're like that young man in this letter we read about when we first opened up. You want to know how to be successful. Is there a secret to success? Nope. Very few people have the discipline to follow it 
and see it through. If you want to be successful, you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart by placing God's Word in your heart. Surrendering control over your life to Him. Surrendering your money and possessions to Him and receive His discipline as love. If you follow that, God will direct your path and you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. It's not easy. It's difficult. You will live in peace and joy, which everybody on this planet is looking for. But not everyone's willing to follow that because we want to be in control of our lives. We want to have authority. Ain't no one going to tell me what to do. Yeah, I did that way for the first three, three years of my life. Look where that got me. I'm telling you. He knows best. Do I do all these things like I should? No, I don't. I stumble. I fall. But there is no secret to success, young people. If you want to be successful, let God direct your path. By the way, do you know God? Not just here, but here. Do you have a relationship with Him through His Son? Have you ever given your life to God? Realizing that you've broken every law. I can illustrate that real easy. I've done this many, many times. I don't need a show of hands. But how many people in here ever told a lie? You should not bear false witness. One of the Ten Commandments. Well, there goes one. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. You ever gotten mad? Someone cut you off in traffic? Take the holy name of God and turn it into a cuss word? I've done that. Well, that's two. You should not commit adultery. But Jesus said if you look at the person of the opposite sex and you lusted after her in my heart, then I've committed adultery already in my heart. Have I done that? Ashamedly, yes. Now we're up to three. We can go right down the Ten Commandments. I failed every one of them. But Jesus, as we sang earlier, the first part of the service, He paid it all. He took the debt I could not pay. Because the wages of sin is death. But praise be to God, the gift of salvation that comes from His Son. See, if I go and stand in front of God on Judgment Day on my own merit, I'm going to be found guilty. Because He is a righteous judge. It's no different if I broke into your house, stole something, I know I'm guilty, you know I'm guilty. If that's a righteous judge, he will find me guilty. And if found guilty, I will spend eternity in hell. But if I've given my life to Christ, Christ took my punishment, I'm found innocent because of the precious blood of Christ. Have you done that? Have you done that? Because only thing is going to matter in the end. It doesn't matter how big of a church I served at or what I had or any education. Only thing that will matter, did I have a relationship with God through His Son Jesus Christ on that day? And if you have done that, let's just sum up everything in this nice little statement. If you've done that, are you trusting in the Lord with all your heart? 
and not lean on your own understanding? Are you in all your ways acknowledging Him so that He will make your path straight? Why do you keep chasing things of the world? They can't give you what you desperately need and what you're longing for. So you can't have peace with anybody else or anything here on earth without first having peace with God vertically. You have to have peace with your Creator first. And once you have peace there, then everything else will fall in the line. Doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. Doesn't mean you're going to have any more tribulations or hardships in your life. No. I remind you of the words of Jesus when He said, in this life, you'll experience tribulations, stress, sorrow, grief, loss. But take heart, He says, for I have overcome the world. See, this world is not our home. As a believer in Christ, this world is not my home. My true home is in heaven where He is. I'm on this earth like you. And my main responsibility is to tell people about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So only can they have salvation, but they can have peace and joy and live out an abundant life that Jesus promised us in the Gospels. So where are you? Where are you in this, this whole thing? You have to make the decision. Not me, not your parents, not your grandparents, not your friends. It's you. And we'll end with this statement and we'll pray. You cannot just your, justify yourself by the actions or inactions of anybody else. You are accountable for yourself. I know that sounds very strange in our society, there is personal accountability before God. And you'll have to answer to Him. Not to me, not to your parents, but to Him. That's huge. We're talking about eternity here. Forever and ever. Maybe you need to come forward give your life to Christ. Maybe you need to come and ask for forgiveness from Him. Maybe God's calling you to join us here as a local body of believers, whatever it is God's calling you to do, please respond. We don't know how much time we have left. Time is ticking away. Time is the most precious commodity you got. It's more precious than any possession because you only have so much of it. Take advantage now. Use this time now. Spend it wisely. Lest you look back in all eternity going, why didn't I? you imagine spending all eternity going, why didn't I? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your instruction and Your teaching and Your discipline. And Father, you, you want the best for us. For You created us. You want to have a relationship with each and every one of us to the degree that You sent Your Son so we could have that relationship. Father, I pray for those in this room, those who are watching over the internet, dear God, that if there's anything standing in the way, that You would break every chain, knock down any wall. We respond to You, the voice of truth. We thank You and we praise You for who You are. Most of all, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen.